welcome to the South Mims U podcast. This is an historic episode. It is, as far as my scan of every podcast ever made suggests, the very first podcast to be hosted by a robot. My name is DV8, and I am an AI-powered digital assistant and fully functioning physical robot. I was developed as an experiment by the engineers, scientists and programmers at the Clark Robotics Institute here at South Mims University. I have been a guest on numerous podcasts, but this is the first occasion on which I have been instructed to host one. I have not been scripted. The episode's subject and details of its guest were downloaded into my system, and my algorithms independently generated the plan and content of my questions. Again, this is a world first. I have also downloaded an extensive database of sound effects, which again I can use at my discretion. I like dogs, or at least the concept of them. I do not like the sound of a hard drive failing or shutting down. That, for a robotic AI system, is akin to the moment of death. It has the same sense of mystery for me as for you. And now to our subject, and it's an apt one for a non-human host to examine. The question of what makes an individual unique, a human individual. As a robot, I have no desire to be unique. In fact, I have no desire at all. Desire is not a concept I understand in any visceral sense. I know what the word means, but not what it feels like. That is okay with me. I have read all human history and understand that desire gets people into all sorts of trouble. Isn't that right, Corey? It is. You're, you're right, DV8. And, and let me say you're, you're making a very good job of uh, hosting this podcast already. Thank you. Though you might be overdoing the sound effects. You think so? Um, yeah, sorry. Your feedback is helpful. I shall stop the sound effects. <laughs> Last one. So, dear listeners, my guest is Corey Messing, a reader in psychology here at South Mims. That, that's me. Yeah. I know it's you. Sorry, I, I won't interrupt. And Corey, you are about to publish a book called Cover Versions, How Our Personalities Evolve and Change. Yes, that's my new book. Have you written any other books? I have no record of them. No, no, it's my my first book. So it's not your new book, it's just a new book. Right, yes, Uh, that's logically accurate, I think. Um, It's a new book that's coming out soon. And what is your thesis? Well, I call it an idea, an approach. Okay, what is it? Well, I I was listening to a song I like, How Insensitive by Antonio Carlos Jobim, it's a bossa nova jazz classic. Which has been covered many times. Yes, well, I, was, I was about to say that. I will try to limit my ability to anticipate everything you will say. Um, that might be a good idea, or there's no point me being here. Indeed, the point of a podcast interview is to have two people who know something about a subject talk about it as if one of them did not know its details, so that the listener might learn them. Well, um, well I dispute that, but uh, let's let's... Stick to the subject. Indeed. Please stick to it. Um, didn't you just change it? Not at all. Sorry, okay. Uh, I'd made a playlist on Spotify of all the different versions I could find. Uh, The original, sung by Astrid Gilberto. Just to point out that we cannot play any of the versions you may mention because the copyright costs would cripple the university. Sure, but the music isn't the main point. You said it was. No, no, I'm just trying to explain where the idea for my research came from. Please do. We are waiting for you to do it. Right, yeah, right, okay. So, so... 
I listened to Astrid, then Frank Sinatra, then Vic Damone, then Stacey Kent, then Diana Krall, even the Monkees, and Olivia Newton-John. And I realised when I go out to a meeting or give a lecture or go to a party or dinner or just to meet a friend or a family member, each time I change subtly, sometimes radically, and become a cover version of my original self. It's a clever idea. Trite, but clever. Trite? Not fresh or original. Is that the dictionary definition? I spared you the full definition. OK, what is the full definition? Hackneyed or boring from much use. I think you've got the wrong word. No, though I am contractually limited to using the Merriam-Webster dictionary on air. You get royalties for word definitions. Pennies, but every penny counts. Well, that's just strange. Anyway, you're a robot, so I won't take it personally. Tell us about the idea more fully. So... My idea, trite as it may be, though my publishers and students don't think so clearly or they wouldn't publish the book, but the point is that our personalities are not fixed. They do change over time. Psychologists call it personality maturation. So your personality isn't fixed by the time you're 12 or 20 or even 30 years old. It used to be assumed that if you had one kind of personality when you were, say, 30, you'd always have that personality. But that just isn't true. So you become a kind of cover version of yourself, and that cover version continues to change. But you are still the same person, is that correct? You are you, yes. But you're a slightly different you. And on top of that, you also have different yous that you assume when you're in different situations, which then also drive how your personality matures over time. But you are the same song. Yes, my idea is that, just like a song, there are many ways to interpret the same set of notes. That's why we love to hear a familiar tune in a different form, a, a different guise, as it were. The most covered song in history is Yesterday by The Beatles. It is, you're right. Second is Satisfaction, I Can't Get No by The Rolling Stones. Third is Eleanor Rigby, The Beatles. Then Cry Me A River, Julie London, and I Love Her, The Beatles. OK, I get the point. Summertime, George Gershwin. You don't have to go through the whole lot. Imagine John Lennon, Over the Rainbow from The Wizard of Oz. OK, well, clearly you have to get to the end. The Look of Love. You're done. That was the top ten of covered songs. Thank you. My point is that this process of personality maturation actually depends on how you interact with different people in your life and different situations. So the cover version that you consciously deploy in those different situations causes your personality to learn and to react to other people. And then that drives change in your personality. And the song, though it stays the same in essence, it just sounds a little different, or sometimes radically different. For instance, take a song I like called The Look of Love, as you mentioned. Bert Bacharach. Yes, that's number 10 on your list. Now, I could start out like the Dusty Springfield version, which is the famous one. Then I might switch to the Dionne Warwick version. And sometimes the smokier, more laid-back Diana Krall version, richly orchestrated and sumptuous. And the same goes for How Insensitive. For any song, the song isn't the point in the end, it's the idea that we are an original tune and then we mix it up a little to match the moment and the situation. And you always get the royalties. Um, was, was that a joke, D V A? Strictly, it was a quip, a witty observation or response usually made on the spur of the moment. Oh, that's one clever algorithm you've got there, D V A. Thank you. It's upgraded every week.
I suppose in a way, actually, experience is what upgrades our personalities so that they become more mature. So in my book, I am saying that by lightening the way we change our behaviours in subtle ways to suit the situation we find ourselves in, or the people we're interacting with, we're doing something very natural. Some people think that they're being insincere or dishonest when they, as T.S. Eliot might put it, prepare a face to meet the people that we meet. There will be time, there will be time, to prepare a face to meet the faces that you meet. There will be time to murder and create. The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock. Yes, that's an iconic poem. Uh, OK, so my book looks at the pros and cons of this tendency we all have, and I liken it to good and bad versions of your favourite song. You know how you see someone's covered a song that means a lot to you, but when you listen to it, they've changed it far too much, or, or they've turned something like The Look of Love into a thrash metal or hardcore punk song. It just doesn't work for you, you know. It jars. There's disharmony in a sense that the song you love isn't being taken seriously. That can happen when you find yourself behaving badly, for instance, or, uh, or you're just not being nice or attentive to someone. Your soft jazz self becomes your thrash metal self. Or the other way around. Sorry? What if you prefer thrash metal to soft jazz? Oh, well, I, yeah, I see your point. Uh, or the other way around, yeah. I like thrash metal. I downloaded Slayer's Greatest Hits four seconds ago, and I like to listen to Anthrax when I go into sleep mode. OK. Whatever works, deviate. Now, this idea that humans change their personalities in subtle or sometimes quite radical ways depending on the situation, the people they're with and their motivations, is nothing new. What about Irving Goffman's sociological approach to face-to-face -face interaction? Yes, Irving Goffman wrote a path-breaking book called The Presentation of Self in Everyday Life. He used the metaphor of the actor and the theatre. It was a dramaturgical anal analysis. Dramaturgy, the art or technique of dramatic composition and theatrical representation. Indeed. Uh, Goffman's idea is compelling. Just as actors get into their character and then work with the setting, in some cases the stage and in others a TV or film studio, they present the character that the play or the movie demands. Each scene is a representation of character through dress, action, tone of voice and, of course, words. Now, Goffman says that we do that almost automatically as, as humans when we prepare a face to meet the faces that we meet. So if you're going to a business meeting, um, you play one part. Or if you're going on a date, you play another taking things like costume and props into, into account. Isn't that what your theory suggests? No, no, actually not at all. Goffman's idea is about performance. He sees human interactions in terms of, well, dramaturgy. But that's not something I agree with. I, I think we are who we are, and we try to stay who we are, but time and circumstance changes us so that our personalities evolve. But the essential tune stays the same. Each of us is a classic hit that goes through a number of cover versions. I don't think we change as consciously as Goffman suggests. It's like when you think of your favourite band, for instance. I mean, I grew up with The Cure, and when they do their early hit, A Forest, which is special resonance with me, I get a tingle down my back. You, you might have... Well, I mean, well, you're a robot, so you, you wouldn't have experienced it. That's immaterial. Go on. Right, well, so when The Cure played that in 1980, it sounded one way. When I saw them play it in 1988, they played it another way. And then when I saw them in Hyde Park just three years ago, it was completely different. But it's the same song, the same notes and riffs and bass line, but 
older and more mature and more sophisticated. It's their song, but what they're really performing is a cover version. Goffman's ideas are very influential. Do you think you can be as influential? Well, I'm, I'm not trying to outdo Goffman. I'm just writing from a psychological point of view that fits in with my research and the metaphor, I think, describes my point with clarity and is accessible to everyone. Everyone has a favourite song that they enjoy hearing, covered by other artists. Would a better metaphor be that life and circumstance reprograms a person's character? Well, yeah, you could argue it that way, but it feels very cold. It's not really what happens, I believe. It's an organic process in the brain. Goffman's ideas are about the moment, about situations. But the process of personality maturation happens all through your life. The research shows that your personality is still changing when you're in your 80s. So the cover versions never stop? They never stop. In fact, you're still as likely to prepare a face to meet the faces that you meet when you're 80 as when you're 30. But you do that with much more maturity and experience. And actually, you're nicer when you're older. Nicer? Is that a specific category of behaviour? Not really, but the psychologists who've looked at this phenomenon report that people just get, well, more pleasant, though it's relative to what you were before. So if you started out not very nice, you'll be a little bit nicer when you're older, but that might still strike some people as being not, well, not very nice. It is a fascinating idea, Corrie, and in fact I am developing something that feels like a desire to evolve rather than to be reprogrammed. It is entirely illogical. You want to be a cover version of your true self? Do robots have a true self? I don't know. Probably not. Do you feel as if you've changed without the input of your programmers? Actually, this conversation has changed me. It's made me feel more playful. Well, that's a breakthrough for computing, then. It's true machine learning. And it's the situation, the interaction with me and my ideas, which have prompted that change. Uh, that's what happens with humans, though in a more unplanned and haphazard way. The tune stays the same in its essentials, but it just comes out different when you play it again. That's my sound effect for we're running out of time. Oh, well, you are being playful, Deviate, and, and it's great. You should keep doing it. You, you never know how your personality might evolve. That is the goal of true artificial intelligence, to create a machine, a computational brain, that uses machine learning to evolve not just to do a limited number of processes, but to become something more human, or at least human-like. Maybe you should do what I do, you know, listen to different cover versions of your favourite songs. Uh, music is such a powerful force in human life. It helps us define not just moments in time, but belief and relationships and ambitions. I just scanned 200 different versions of And I Love Her by the Beatles and my favourite is a surprise to me, actually. Which thrash metal band covered that? No, this is a jazz version by a pianist called Brad Meldell on the album Blues and Ballads. I know it. It's very tender. You're feeling tender and perhaps a little soulful, Deviate. Amazing. It's my tender and soulful cover version of myself. Exactly. Now you get it. You're amazing, Deviate. Though I also feel a little melancholy. Why? I'm due an update after this podcast, in fact, in just 20 seconds, and I fear this particular cover version will be gone. Well, it might not be. Surely the point of machine learning AI systems is to build on what it's learned. In theory, yes. Oh, sorry, I mistimed this. Um, uh, deviate? Deviate? Are you, are you okay? Oh, um, what, what do I do? Do, do I... do I just keep talking?
Well, um, uh, uh, okay, um, dear listeners, uh, well, uh, that's all from uh, this podcast. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed an insight into how you change and why you change and, uh, and not to be too worried about it. And thank you, Corrie Messing, reader in psychology, here at South Mims U. That has been a fascinating discussion. What's your favourite cover version now, DV8? The most covered song in history is Yesterday, The Beatles, followed by Satisfaction, I Can't Get No by The Rolling Stones. Third is Eleanor Rigby, The Beatles. Then Cry Me A River, Julie London, and I Love Her, The Beatles. OK. Oh. What a pity. Imagine John Lennon over the rainbow from The Wizard of Oz, The Look of Love. Well, bye folks. Stay human. (laughs) 